0: Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, Canadians react to the discovery of hundreds of unmarked graves near a former residential school in Saskatchewan. I'm worried that we might become desensitized uh, when we see additional discoveries and we stop reeling from the impact. We have to realize these are little babies. These are kids. These are children that were stolen from their homes and then they were killed in these institutions. And that was the plan. And we have to move beyond just condolences. The Crown Indigenous Relations Minister apologizes for a text she sent to Independent MP Jody Wilson-Raybould.
1: Carolyn Bennett was basically suggesting in this text message to Jody Wilson-Raybould that perhaps the only reason she was calling for not having an election is because she wanted to have her full six years. Um, so she could collect her government pension.
0: And will an election be called before MPs return from their summer break? You know, accusing the Conservatives of obstruction in Parliament, and as sort of a two-fisted defense of Defense Minister Saja, you know, suggests that um, you know the, the government is sort of already putting the pieces in play for their election campaign and their election rhetoric. So, so that's to me what it feels like right now. It's Friday, June 25th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by CBC at-issue panelist Althea Raj. Althea, thank you for joining us today.
1: Good morning, Mark.
0: So let's talk about the reaction to the news earlier this week of the discovery of an estimated 751 unmarked graves near a former residential school in Saskatchewan. The Prime Minister has said, that this is Canada's responsibility to bear. He's talked about hurt and trauma. He says he is heartbroken. And uh, he's talked about honouring the memory of those children um, and walking the shared path of reconciliation. So where does that path lead, do you think? What happens now?
1: Frankly, Mark, I think... This is not news to the government. This is news to most Canadians. And what we saw in Thursday's press conference is news to the world. Who, I mean, what was surprising to me was how many international reporters had called in and were just shocked and floored that this could have happened in Canada and that nobody seemed to know about it. And I think that that was also the feeling that most Canadians had when um, the Kamloops discovery was made that while, you know, Indigenous communities have been uh, talking about this for decades, and this was um, actually, there was a whole section in the Truth and Reconciliation Commission's calls to action about this, um, that maybe the media didn't do its job, uh, public schools did not do their jobs, their governments didn't do their jobs, but that the public... Seems to have been completely in the dark um, and did not realize that this was a, a shared history that um, that existed. And so, you know, several of those calls to actions were basically about finding the records, like who is buried in these unmarked graves, and having the ability for people to be informed and to heal. And I think that um, that is kind of the process that we're seeing play out. For some, obviously, it is very, very personal and, and deeply troubling. For others, it's a real, um, in some ways, literally a call to action, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's like a, awaken, awakening public consciousness. Um, and I think that that's the process that is going to continue to um, occur. I think people are are finally perhaps um, coming to terms with this really shocking part of our history. Um,
0: yeah, and, and uh, just on in a that, way that, Althea,
1: that didn't seem to have resonated earlier. Yeah,
0: yeah, and and obviously the you know the uh, I think of the the photograph of Alan Curdy and how that reshaped everyone's perceptions of the refugee crisis um in syria and and i think on some level the discovery of these unmarked graves has has re has recast everyone's thinking about residential schools in this country and so i i wonder if it's also changed people's perception of canadian history now if if it's if it's that deep
1: I don't know. I don't know that I'm best placed to answer that question. I think, I think that question is best place probably to people for whom this is
0: yeah
1: a, a new reality, right? But judging by um, the shock that that people who I guess don't you know read that are not, frankly, I mean it's our job to get paid to read these reports. Um, you know if this is not something that is splashed on the front pages of the newspaper or is the headline of the news item that evening uh, consistently then i think the public can be excused for not knowing that this happened right and sometimes like i think of the missing and murdered indigenous women's and girls commission like the headline was that they had called um what had happened to indigenous women uh, and girls and, and other indigenous communities, frankly, genocide and like the people gravitated towards the headline of the word and no. that was, is it really genocide or not like that kinda of, it, it took away actually from what their report what the commission actually found. And in some ways perhaps, you know, there are a lot of, <laughs> there are a lot of calls to action. And maybe we didn't spend the time we needed to do. It. Maybe we haven't really given the time as like as a country to talk about what reconciliation really means and you can't really have reconciliation before you have education and i think that what this has shown is that we are really in mass phase we the public is still becoming aware of what has happened
0: All right. Uh, We'll continue to watch that story, obviously, and I'm sure there will be more discoveries in the days and weeks ahead. Um, Let's talk about what happened on Thursday uh, with a text that was sent by the Crown Indigenous Relations Minister Carolyn Bennett to Independent MP and former Liberal Justice Minister Jody Wilson-Raybould that uh, Bennett has apologized for, but Wilson-Raybould has called racist and misogynist. Just w- walk us through what happened there and and in the end what it means.
1: So um, what happened is Jody Wilson-Raybould, um, who, as everybody I'm sure <laughs> listening to this podcast knows, is the independent member for Vancouver-Grenville, um, tweeted about the shocking news coming out of Saskatchewan. Um, she talked about... Uh, a collective call again for concrete transformative action. And she tagged Justin Trudeau saying, If you care enough to make things right, stop yourself this jockeying for an election, which no one really wants, and do what you promised in 2018. And she hashtagged 215, which is the number, of course, from Kamloops, plus a broken heart. And um, Carolyn Bennett responded to that tweet. By texting Jody Wilson-Raybould, and Carolyn Bennett, I should say, is the Minister of Crown and Indigenous Relations and has been a Liberal MP since, I believe, 1997, tweeted, so texted her and wrote one word, pension, question mark. So for people who are not in the weeds on parliamentary affairs, if a Member of Parliament stays six years in Ottawa, so basically wins election twice, usually, um, they are able to collect start collecting in government pension. Right. They're el- eligible for their pension after six years. So Carolyn Bennett was basically suggesting in this text message to Jody Wilson-Raybould that perhaps the only reason she was calling for ha- not having an election is because she wanted to have her full six years um so she could collect her government pension now yeah. I just and, want to and pull just away to be clear from the
0: substance yeah yeah just to be clear for anybody who was elected for the first time in 2015 in the election that happened in the fall of 2015 that that six-year milestone would be sometime this fall and there are people speculating that that could affect the timing of the election right exactly and so
1: um, I, I like Putting aside the content of the, the tweet that Carolyn Bennett was responding to, I want to state that like I have not seen any public opinion polling that suggests that Jody Wilson-Raybult would actually lose her seat in Vancouver-Grenville if there was an election. I also think it, that Miss Bennett's response doesn't make a lot of sense when you think that uh, Jody Wilson-Raybult left. Her cabinet post, which paid a lot more to uh, resign to be a member of parliament and put all that to be elected as an independent, which was far from certain at the time. I mean, it seemed like she would be elected, but it's never an easy go for an independent MP. So just from like a logistic point of view, it doesn't make a lot of sense for Carolyn Bennett to suggest that the only reason Jody Wilson-Raybould does not want an election is because she's protecting her pension. But regardless, this was... Uh, the minister's response, and uh, Joye Wilson-Raybould uh, told CTV that she received this message and was in tears and that it is actually indicative of the feelings that she says she felt um, when she was part of Justin Trudeau's cabinet, the way she was treated in government. Anyway, she put this text exchange uh, or comment on Twitter and accused Carolyn Bennett of racist, uh, of racist and misogynist behavior. Uh, I, I don't know if it's racist or misogynist. I think Jodie Wilson-Ribault's probably the only one who could tell us how she feels that she received that message, and clearly she says that that's how she feels. But there is a lot of bad blood between these two women. They do not like each other. Um, and the minister, uh, I think, thankfully, um, realized that she had crossed the line that she shouldn't have crossed and publicly apologized for her text. But it is uh, it certainly speaks to judgment. And, um, if the Liberals are reelected, and if there's no election, if the Liberals have a cabinet shuffle, you do wonder how long Ms Bennett would be in her position.
0: All right, we're short on time, Althea, but just to wrap up, uh, let's talk about uh, as as we as we leave um, uh, this parliamentary session behind and look ahead to the fall or maybe late summer, um, what to watch for?, uh, the likelihood of an election? What are your thoughts?
1: Well, Mark, I think we've talked about this. I don't actually see the need for an election with Jagmeet Singh saying he's ready to support, basically, uh, you know, vote confidence in the government on any money bills uh, for the next two years to get the Liberals a full four-year mandate. But it does certainly look like um, if the train has not left the station, the train is advertised leaving the station. <laughs> and unless there is a uh, strong fourth wave, um that uh, the train will be departing the station. The question is just when the train will be departing the station. Um, the most likely scenario, I, I think, is a, an August call, um, but it could be as late as September. Um, obviously, has to be before the municipal elections in Quebec um, later in the fall. So, uh, you know, the MPs have already said their goodbyes. The Liberals have introduced legislation they have no hopes at all of passing, but just so that they could pad out um, their records so they can go back uh, to constituents and say, you know, we tried to do all these things or we kept our promises from 2019 and we intend to bring these bills back. I'm thinking uh, just this week, um, we saw, you know, the hate online hate crime bill uh, on, I think it was late Wednesday or was it Thursday? I'm losing track of time. No, it was on Wednesday. Um, we also saw a, a new bill creating a disability benefit. Of course, there was the whole um, revamp of the Official Languages uh, Act uh, introduced by Mélanie Jérée, which, of course, uh, has not been debated either. But these are things the Liberals want to go to the people and say, hey, uh, we did what we said we were going to do. And they just happen to be things that are <laughs> just have been marked to be things that are important for certain constituencies that the liberals would be courting were there to be an election. But of course, I think, uh, you know, we are still in this yeah. pandemic if the Delta variant takes hold, um, if the vaccines don't work as well as in, as expected. Uh, you know, it is possible that plans get delayed, much like uh, the, the, all that talk of the spring election was put on ice because of the third wave. So yeah. um, we'll see, but it looks, But, like, more more chances than not, we will be heading to the polls this
0: fall. All right, Althea, we'll see what happens, and we'll be talking again, perhaps sooner than later. Thank you so much for joining us (laughs) today.
1: Thank you so much, Mark. Have a wonderful summer.
0: That's CBC at-issue panelist Althea Raj. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. At ctvnews.ca, Don Martin offers a warning for Justin Trudeau. Martin writes, Trudeau's blueprint for his future is an easy read. Call an election this summer and win a majority mandate before retiring to corporate directorships and an international speaking tour. But that victory march might hit a nasty speed bump if voters believe they're being dragged to the polls by an arrogant government using false pretenses to call an election. There has to be a better excuse than seeking to end what is really just routine partisan bitterness and regular parliamentary paralysis. In the National Post, Sabrina Mado argues the Jody Wilson-Raybould slapdown shows the Trudeau liberals are nothing but a mean girl's clique. Maddow writes, Time and time again, the governing liberals have shown their hearts are not, in fact, with Indigenous people. Their hearts are in winning elections, and securing entitlements like pensions, motives they then cynically ascribe to others. They don't love justice, they love power and money. We didn't need Carolyn Bennett's text message to tell us this. Her government's track record speaks for itself. At iPolitics, Sean McCarthy argues senators should pass the Liberals' imperfect climate bill. McCarthy writes, We are on the threshold of having a climate change accountability law, that would impose some discipline on the government to ensure it has a real plan to meet its emissions targets. But it is among a number of bills sent to the Red Chamber at the end of the spring sitting. If senators don't pass the bill before taking their leave, and there's a late summer election call, it will die on the order paper, resulting in yet another chapter in this country's sorry story of failing to turn lofty rhetoric into action. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda— The House of Commons has adjourned and may not return before the next election is called, but as CPAC's Martin Stringer tells
2: us, there is still government business going on in Ottawa. Mark, while the House is now silent, the Senate has voted to extend its hours to sit in extra sessions to consider the government's priority bills which made it to the Senate. C6, a bill banning conversion therapy. C12, the uh, framework for net zero emissions. C10, a bill modernizing the Broadcasting Act. And C30, the ever-essential budget implementation bill. Now, it's still anyone's guess as to which bills will be passed by the Red Chamber, but the odds are certainly better for the Money Bill, C30, the Budget Implementation Bill, and for C12, the Framework for Climate Change. Both of those bills have already been before Senate committees for what's called pre-study. The other thing that's happening today is that the Trudeau government will receive a much-awaited set of re- recommended guidelines for preventing other countries, such as China, from spying on its research projects. The guidelines are being developed by the government's universities working group, along with CSIS, the Canadian Centre for Cybersecurity, Global Affairs Canada, and the National Research Council. A very topical and important set of guidelines to be delivered to the government today.
0: Thanks, Martin. Also today, the Prime Minister will speak with the media to provide an update on the COVID-19 situation. He'll be joined by Employment Minister Carla Qualtro to take part in a roundtable on the Canada Disability Benefit. Conservative Leader Erin O'Toole will speak at events hosted by the Kelowna Chamber of Commerce and the Mississauga Board of Trade. Minister for Women Mariam Monsef will make an announcement about high-speed internet for communities in rural Ontario. And Fisheries Minister Bernadette Jordan will make an announcement about support for small businesses. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Friday, June the 25th. It's our final edition of CPAC Today in Politics for this parliamentary season. We'll be back in September when Parliament begins sitting again, or perhaps before that, if an election is called. Until then, thank you for listening. Have a great summer.